morning. You are the very best, Lord, that has ever happened to us. You are life. And Father, I thank you this morning that uh, as I stand here this morning, I am just uh, your servant. Father God, I have no father agenda except one. And that is, Lord, to speak what thus saith the Lord. So I pray, God, that you would anoint my lips, anoint my mind, that what I say, that what I speak, Father God, would not be of me, but will be of you. Father, I pray that you would cancel out everything that would try to hinder the flow of this word this morning. And Lord God, that this word will bring forth fruit that will abound to your account. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I want you to know this morning that, Father God, that I feel so honored to be standing here in your presence. This is a sacred and holy moment. And I pray, Father, that this word will bring forth a kind of change in people, that they won't just say, Pastor, that was a good word, but that there's something in their life that will change significantly because they heard it and it came from you. And Father, we give you the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number two. The book of Acts. Chapter number two, and we'll begin reading in verse number 40, down through verse number 47. Acts chapter two, verse 40 through 47. <clears throat> Are you there? And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse, everybody say perverse, generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I mean, no, that's called momentum. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, everybody say the Lord, added to their church daily, everybody say daily, those who were being saved. This morning, I want to talk to you about the subject of momentum. Momentum. We had just concluded a series uh, dealing with God encounters, and so now we're going to do a shift. As I was praying over and meditating on what to share this, uh, this morning, uh, this concept could not leave my mind as I begin to think about momentum. And so I looked up the word momentum, and it is strength or force gained by motion or through the development 
of events. I want to say that again. Momentum, according to Webster. How many know Webster was saved? He was a Christian. He loved the Lord. Strength or force gained by motion or through the development of events. How many know that momentum is a beautiful thing? It signifies progress. It demonstrates that something big is about to happen. All of us want momentum in our lives. Uh, if you're like me, I love sports. And some of you have, may have heard that the Dallas Cowboys had dropped their first two games. And it's interesting, as I was thinking about this, one of the things I heard the players kept saying was, they kept saying, well, you know, we just need to get one game under our belt. We need to just get one game. I mean, they had lost a couple of games, and, you know, when you have no momentum, sometimes your confidence can wane a little bit, and you start to doubt whether or not you really can, can move forward. And all of a sudden, uh, I noticed that last week the Cowboys won. Everybody say, I like that. The Cowboys won, and now all of a sudden, their momentum now is building, and, and now they're back to talking about Super Bowl. <laughs> you see, one of the things about momentum is that it gives confidence. Momentum is very attractive. Everybody want to be connected to a part of something that they feel is moving forward. It's kind of like the snowball effect. How many of you like to make snowman? You know, you get that little, you build that little snowball, that little ball, and then you keep pushing it, you keep pushing it, and that thing grows and grows and grows and grows. So there's something that is, that is attractive about momentum. All of us want to be around something that they feel that it, 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 it is igniting and something that is generating some kind of passion, something that is going somewhere. We all need it in our lives. You see, and I believe that God wants us to have momentum in our lives. Listen, he don't want you to just be married. He wants you to have a great marriage. You should be building on it. You know, when you first got married, those of you who married, you know, you, you was all excited. You know, you bought the chocolate candies. You opened the door. You could not stay off the telephone. And you were just, you just so googly, googly, goo. And, you know, and you just all love each other. You just couldn't get enough of each other. And then what happened? All of a sudden, you get married two, three, four, five years, ten years down the road. The momentum's hit. And now it's like, I'm sorry, did I, did I hurt your ears? Oh, <laughs> All of a sudden, the momentum kind of stopped, and you're like, you know, I don't know if I'm enjoying this anymore. I can tell you what happened. You didn't build on the momentum that you had. You let some things kind of fall to the wayside, and now you find yourself trying again to regain that momentum. And that's what we're going to be talking about, how to regain the momentum in your life. Because God wants you to have great finances. He wants you to be building. Listen, he don't want you to be, you know, up and down. God wants you to be making progress. He wants you to be making progress in your relationships. He wants you to be making progress on your job. God wants there to be a sense of momentum in your life. How many of you have ever met people you just know that there's momentum all over them? I've met people like that. You just meet them, you know, and it's like, it's like their whole life just symbolizes momentum, progress. Every time you talk to them, they're telling you about what God did. 
God did this, God did that. And, and, every time, and every time you're talking with them, it's just some great thing that just happened. God just did this. God just did that. This door opened for me. That door opened for me. I believe that God wants all of his people to experience that kind of momentum. Whereby, man, doors are just opening up for you. You're getting promotions you know, out of nowhere. I mean, your relationships are good. Everything in your life is just moving forward. And how many know that when that sense of momentum come over your life, how many know that, that, that people want to be around you? How many, how, many, how many know that a lot of folk want to be around Bill Gates? Not just because he have a lot of money, because they sense that momentum in his life. And, of course, he has a lot of money. Can't leave that out. But you want to be a part of something in your life whereby there, there, there's progress. And God wants all of us to have that kind of progress in our lives. Because one of the things about momentum is it creates opportunities. You know, when you get momentum going in your life, doors start opening, things start to happen. And that's why you got to have momentum. Now, let me, just, let me say this. Now, let's, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, our current president, no matter what. You know, his politics are, I'm not here to talk politics. But one of the things that we all can agree on is that I was sitting down, I was sitting down one day, me and my wife, we was watching television one day, and uh, we was watching, uh, uh, I forget, maybe, you know, CNN or one of the broadcasts, and, and, uh, and it, it had this, this, this skinny guy that, uh, who, was pre, who was, I guess, uh, having a primary, I believe, in Iowa. And uh, they started talking about him. His name was Barack Obama. And I had never heard of him, never heard of a man a day in my life. And I'm sitting there watching. And one of the things I noticed was, you know, there was a lot of screaming going on. People, ah, and then there were people that were, you know, fainting. I'm like, what in the world? What, what's going on with, with this? And then all of a sudden, there was a, a noise heard around the country. Because remember, nobody knew him. Okay, okay now they, they won one primary, Right. Then before you knew it, he won another primary. Confidence started getting up. People started hearing it. Some folk were coming. They didn't know what they were coming for. They didn't know what his policy was. But, but I just want to be where there's some passion. I want to be where there's some electricity at. I, want, I got to find out what this is all about. And before, and I remember, them, I remember all the pundits saying, you know, he just, you know, he just keeps winning. And he keeps winning. And he keeps winning. He's winning all these primaries. And you can clearly see it that, man, he was building some serious momentum. And it was that same momentum that propelled him into the presidency. Momentum. All of us need it. It's critical to you and I achieving the thing that God wants us to do. But how do you know also that there are some things, we'll talk about this next week, but there are some things that you can do that can stop the momentum that God is bringing about in your life. How do you know when momentum is stopped? <laughs> you know, there seems to be, you have to work harder when you have no momentum. So one thing about momentum, once you get it going, there's a sense of a rhythm that kind of happens in your life. When, when, and when the rhythm happens, when things start happening, then all of a sudden you don't have to work for things as hard anymore. You know why? Because you got the wind behind you and you're just going into it and you're going for the gusto. You have momentum. You have momentum. So it's very, very important that we understand this concept. The children of Israel, you remember them. And I talked a little bit about this last week. You remember 
how that God had called Moses to go and deliver the people out of bondage and, and God set them up and, you know, and he was building this sense of momentum in their lives and he kind of led them out of their, their bondage and they find themselves now, they're moving ahead. The Bible said they were loving, they were rejoicing, they were praising God because God had done some miraculous things and then they came to a point where they had to make a decision whether or not they were going to move forward or whether or not they were going to stop the momentum that God was building in their life. You remember that? And, and, and they start crying and screaming. What did God, and God said to Moses, tell the people stop crying. Why are they crying? What's up with them? Tell my people to keep going. And when they kept going, the momentum continued until we read about this thing even today. Turn with me to Exodus chapter number one, if you have your Bibles. Exodus chapter number one, we're going to. We want to dissect this a little bit. Exodus chapter number one. I don't think I'll be too long this morning. Hallelujah. Momentum. Look at the name and say, do you have it? Then say to him again, you got to go get it. Momentum. Look at Exodus chapter number one, verses eight through 12. Watch this. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Now listen what the Pharaoh is saying. Lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh's supply cities and Python and Ramses. But watch this. Now, look at verse number 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. I want to read that again. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. You know, the Bible says about concerning the devil. How many know the Bible says the devil is a thief? The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So you got to understand, first of all, that the enemy is always working overtime to stop the momentum in your life. And one of the things you got to understand is that you're going to always have some opposition Regarding the, regarding the momentum that God is wanting to build in your life, whether it's some person, you know, the enemy used people, whether it's something, whether it's some bad news, all of it is designed because the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you to stop. He wants to get you to feel down about yourself. He wants to get you to say, you know, maybe, maybe not, not. This is not going to happen. And, and you got to understand that that momentum that God is building in your life is designed to go beyond the opposition. How many know that opposition is going to always be there? Anything we're fighting for, watch this, it's always going to be opposition. You know, you, how many got opposition on your job? How many got opposition in your marriage? <laughs> How many got opposition with people you like, people you love, people you don't like? All of us experience this kind of opposition. And, but the thing we got to realize is that, watch this, when you experience opposition and hardship, that doesn't mean you need to throw away the momentum that God is building in your life. 
Hardship should not, you should not look at a hardship and say, oh, God, it's hard, and then stop doing what God's called you to do. Because one of the things I have discovered in life, if God has called me to do something, and I know that God has called me to do it, then nothing is going to stop me from doing what he called me to do. And I like this because the Bible says that the more they afflicted them, the better they just multiplied. And Pharaoh was confused. He's like, what in the world is going on? And I'll tell you what was going on. It was momentum. It was something happening. God was behind them. And, you know, when God before you, who can be against you? Come on. And, and, and so no matter what they did, Pharaoh said, they're going to get big and they're going to outgrow us. And, and watch this. Watch this. Now, they knew they had a sense that something was going on because Pharaoh said, OK, here's what we're going to do. Kill all the men, the male childs. Kill them all. Because he was so afraid. But, you know, the midwife, they said, no, 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 no. We know what God, God don't want us to do that. They start hiding the babies. In fact, Moses was one of those that was hidden. He was found in the water. They start hiding them because the scripture said they feared God more than they feared them. Because they realized that God was building something big in their lives. And they were not about to compromise what God was trying to do in their lives. They said, you know what? You afflict me. You do whatever. But you can't stop this. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't stop this. Because God is in it. If God is in it, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. So I I love that particular passage because what it tells me and what it should tell all of us is that, you know, like the Bible says, God before us, who can be against us? You got to know. You got to first, you got to recognize. And what I'm doing, does God want me to have a great marriage? Did God want me to be financially prosperous? Did God want my ministry to prosper? Does God, yeah, and you're going to have to come to the conclusion, yes, he does. Then you have to have an attitude that just because it gets hard, just because you have a few bumps in the road, don't just stand back and say, okay, okay, I guess it. No, no, you got to just keep pressing. You don't let that momentum wane off because, you know, once momentum starts to wane off, you know what happens? When momentum starts to wane off, then it becomes hard work. And then it will become hard work. You may do it or you may not do it. It just depends on how you feel. But when you got a sense that God is behind you, that even when you don't feel like doing it, even though you might be tired, you will keep pressing on. Why? Because I know God is building something wonderful in my life. And you know what? What you just said to me is not going to stop me. You talking about me is not going to stop me. Situations and circumstances happening in my life will not stop me because there's momentum building and I'm going to keep this thing rolling. I'm going to keep it rolling. Look at Acts chapter five, verse. I'm sorry. Look at Acts chapter eight. Verses one, verses one through four. You got that? Acts eight. Now watch this. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Now I want you to hear this. This is the Apostle Paul. You know, this is the same guy that wrote the majority of the New Testament that you and I read about. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution. Everybody say persecution. Arose against the church. All right. A great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen. Stephen was that deacon that was killed. He was murdered to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Watch this. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Now, this is the same guy, Apostle Paul, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. I mean, he was locking up believers. Therefore, watch this. I want you to hear this. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? 
preaching the word. Now, you would think, brother, if you start persecuting, and their persecution wasn't like somebody just saying, we don't like you, Jesus. Their persecution a lot of times meant that if you don't start preaching, we are going to kill you. And the Bible said that they were all scattered. I mean, the persecution came up. I mean, now, now, now look at the backdrop of this. I mean, Pentecost happened, right? I mean, God was just, I mean, the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell. They began to speak with, with other tongues. I mean, people started getting saved. The, the apostle Peter, who was afraid before, now he's preaching the good news of the kingdom. 3,000 people are getting saved. How many know momentum is happening? I mean, I mean, the kingdom of God is growing all over the place so much so that people start looking at it like, people start looking at this thing and it was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. We got to stop these people because they're, I mean, they're turning the world upside down with this gospel. And you would think that after the persecution came, right? I mean, the church was being persecuted. Even the apostle Paul persecuting the church. You would think that they might think, well, maybe, maybe, maybe God ain't in this because, you know, we, we're being persecuted. I mean, things, things, you know, this is supposed to be, this is supposed to be easy. But you know what the Bible said they did? That as they got scattered and they were persecuted. They went other places and they kept preaching. You know why? Because they knew that God was with them. And there was momentum that was building, and they knew one thing, we can't stop doing this. We can't stop preaching the gospel no matter what. we got to keep sharing the gospel. we got to keep proclaiming the good news of the gospel. We cannot stop no matter what they do to us. You know, boy, today, man, we stop when it gets too hot outside. Oh, the mosquito biting me. <laughs> but come on. I mean, they, they, were just, they had such a momentum of their life. They were so consumed with, I got to preach this gospel. We got to share this good news of the gospel of the kingdom. And we can't let persecution stop us. I am not going to allow the momentum that God is building in my life to stop just because I face some opposition or some difficulty. I can't allow that to happen. I got to keep pressing. I get bad news on one side. You know what I do? I look the other way. See, I get bad news. I don't drop my head and say, well, it's over. I start looking elsewhere because I, I don't know about you, but, but I believe that I got the favor of God on my life. Come on. And if I believe God gave favor in one instance, he'll give me favor in some more. I mean, because it's his anyway. He's building momentum in my life. He's the one who called me. He's the one that gave me what I got. He's the one that's orchestrating this thing. All I need to do is stay faithful and stay the course. So one door closed. Okay, okay, good. You remember, who was it? Uh, Elijah, the bird was feeding him for a while at the brook. And, and, and after a while, the birds stopped feeding him, and, and, and that, that, that thing shut down. The brook was giving him water, and then it stopped. And, 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 you know, what the Lord was saying was, okay, what I got for you to do there is it's done, but now I'm taking you to another level. I need you to go this way. So he didn't just sit back there and say, oh, the brook is dried up. Oh, gosh. Oh, the brook is dry. What am I going to do? Oh, jeez. No, he just said, you know what? This thing ain't over. No, baby, because God is with me in this. God has called me into this. And so he just kept pressing on. And you got to keep pressing on no matter what opposition you face. Listen, the momentum that God is building in your life, and you're going to need it. Remember that. You're going to need momentum. Because when you got momentum, it is key to you going to the level that God wants you to be. Because there's provision in momentum. You know, when somebody, look, I'll give you an example. Somebody who has a large corporation, right? Let's just say you own a corporation and you got billions of dollars. And, you know, every now and then they look for students to give scholarships to. You know, and, and, and they want you to fill out a large application, don't they? 
They want to ask you some questions. In fact, they say they want you to be well-rounded. They start looking at your life. They start looking at who you're hanging with, who you're running with, what kind of grades you got, what kind of activities were you involved in, what are they really looking for? We want to see, is there a sense of momentum because we're going to invest in that. But I'm not going to invest in something if, if, if there's no momentum, if there's no sense of purpose in your life, if you're not doing anything to show that I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to invest in that. But boy, when you show me that, you know what, that there's something happening in life that you're building and there's been a progression of things that has happened in your life. It's like, wow, look at that. Look at that. Every time I turn around, blessing. They're just they're busy. Let me tell you something. People want to invest in that. See, momentum is a powerful thing. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 33 and 39. Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. When you get there, you can say, like, I love Jesus. Y'all, y'all look quiet this morning. Come on. I'm excited. Nobody else excited. I'm excited. I got momentum. Hallelujah. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. See, there you go. Here you go again. The disciples were being threatened again. There's always threats to kill the disciples were. I mean, I told you, when they persecuted back in those days, it ain't the kind of persecution we have nowadays. Well, you know, because, you know, how you know how we do. We don't even want to talk about Jesus a lot of time. Oh, you know, because we don't want to be embarrassed. No, those brothers, was, their life was hanging in the balance. That was an easy thing for them. They would have loved to have it like we have it right now. Then one of them, one in the council stood up, and a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody. You ever met people like that? I'm somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. Watch this. And he was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. But watch this. The story doesn't end there. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. Let's keep going. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. These were the men that was preaching the gospel. And they're having a, a meeting about whether or not they want to try to stop these guys. And here's what this, this, this priest is telling him. He says, now, for if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. Watch this. But, everybody say but. If it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. <laughs> that ought to bring you some comfort. That ought to bring you some comfort and, and some confidence. This man was saying, listen, y'all better leave them folks alone. Let me tell you something, because if, if God is with them, uh, you know, you ain't going to stop this. You can do you can do whatever you want to try to do. You cannot stop the momentum that God is building in your life. If God said, I want you to have that job, how many know you're going to have that job? If God says he wants you to have those resources, how many know you're going to get those resources? If God said he wants you to have that house, you'll have that house. If God said he wants you to get favor with this, you're going to get favor. In other words, if God be for you, you don't have to worry about it. He's going to fix the rest. I don't care what people say. It does not matter. You know why? Because I got momentum and God is with me. God is always building. Everything about God is increase. Everybody say increase. Increase and multiplication. That's what God is all about. And so I can take, you and I can take comfort in the fact 
that no matter what happens in my life, if God is with me in this, you know what? I'm, I'll go through a little trouble. It's okay. I'll go, I'll go through some hardship. It's okay. I'll go through times when it's really, really difficult. And I don't know how many have ever been there where you like, you don't know what's going on, but, but you just know that, that God is with me. I don't know all the details, but I just know he's with me. I don't fully understand why things happen the way they happen, but I know he's with me because he said in his word, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Either he's a liar or, come on. And how many know that God is not a man that he should lie? So God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You got to believe that. You got to believe that wherever you're going through in your life, that God is with you, no matter how it looks, because that will keep the momentum going in your life because you won't quit when you know that God is with me. I can't quit. Because if God has his hand on my life, I can't quit. I can't throw in the towel. I can't draw back. I got to keep going. I'm not going to let this momentum be compromised in my life. So what God is building in my life, I want to keep it going. Look at your neighbor and say, keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep the momentum going. Keep the excitement going. Keep the enthusiasm going. Keep it going. Because how many know it's going to take you somewhere? Now we're going to end up in my, my main point of this sermon. Look at Acts chapter number 2. Now, this is strong momentum. Now, this is what we started off with, and this is what we're going to end with. Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter number two, verses 40 through 47. Now, what I want to do, I want to read that again. I'm sorry because it's just so powerful. In fact, I'm going to start at verse number um, 42. Then they continued. Everybody say continued. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possession and good, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now watch this, number one. The first thing is, if you're going to keep momentum in your life, you got to continue. The Bible said they continued. There has to be a level of consistency in your life. That even when everybody, listen, whenever, how many, how many know, how many have ever tried to, you know, exercise? I, I used to, when I first started lifting weights, I'll give you an example. First started exercising. I know you can't tell now, so don't, don't be talking about stuff in your head. Just stay on the sermon. All right? I'm older now. But when I was lifting weights, I remember I used to start off with, I had a partner. And the partner would start with me, and they'll be like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it for a couple. And, you know, they'll stick with me for like a week or two, then after a while, drop off. Knocking on the door, hey, man, I'm going to work out. I'll catch you on the next one. So then I'll go to the next guy, get the next guy. We're going to go work out. Then he work out with me for two, three weeks. Next thing you know, he knock on the door. Sorry, man, I'll catch you on the next one. And so at some point, I realized that if I'm going to be physically fit, if I'm going to be in good shape, if I'm going to make this a discipline in my life, I got to continue what I'm doing, whether or not they help me or come with me or not. Because I develop a conviction that I learn how to do things on my own. Because you know what? I had a conviction I'm supposed to do it. You know, something, when God calls you to do something, sometimes you look back and sometimes there ain't some folks that's walking with you like they should be. But here's the thing about it. You got to continue. And even when it get hard, you got to say, I'm going to continue to do this. You remember the momentum that they had? You remember the church? I mean, the church was birthed. People were getting saved. Thousands of people were coming to Jesus. And the Bible says, here's the ingredient. They continued. 
So you just, if nothing else, you got to say, I got to stay consistent. I, I got to keep doing the right things. I got to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. If God told me this is what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to do it. If God told me to love this person, I'm going to love this person. Well, 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 what about they mistreat me? Okay, cool. If God said love your enemies, you are supposed to love your enemies. Well, I, well you don't know what my enemy done to me. It doesn't matter. You got to continue. Watch this. Watch this. They said they continue in the apostle doctrine. So they look at the, look at the neighbor and say they stayed in the word. They stayed in the word. So they continued. They heard the word. They stayed in it. Now, this is how you're going to build momentum in your life. These are the keys to momentum. They continued in fellowship and in breaking the bread. How many know you can't do this thing by yourself? You need other people. They continued, watch this, in fellowship. They knew that no matter what was happening in their life, that they needed to be connected with some folk. And so they love fellowship. One of the things that I want to see in our church, and we ain't there yet, but Lord knows it's what I want to see. I want to see a point in time that y'all hang around so much that I got to ask y'all to leave. Won't y'all leave because folks got stuff to do. There was a sense in this church that these folks, they just fellowship and they, they love to fellowship and, and, and break bread. The Bible says they, they broke bread with each other. I mean, they, they ate chicken and chicken. Church is chicken. There we, go, there we go again. Chicken. Church is chicken. Ain't that something? Somebody did that, mocked the church like church is chicken. But they, 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 they fellowship together. They, they, they love to connect with each other. And there got to be, watch this, there got to be that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of thing whereby we're connected, even as a people, that, that we're fellowshipping, that we're in each other's lives. You can't help me if you don't know me. I can't help you if I don't know you. How am I going to know you or be a blessing to you? I don't even know you. How? What's going on? I mean, I need to know more than your name. Oh, that you look good and y'all look good. Every one of you look good. But I need to know more. Than Fellowship meaning that we get down to the nuts and bolts. We talk about real issues. Here's really what I'm dealing with. You know, not that Sunday morning. Hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Everything's good. No, how's it really going? Oh, brother, you don't know. That's blessing in that. So they fellowship with each other and they prayed together. They continued. They kept standing the word. They fellowship. They broke bread. OK, so no matter what persecution came, difficulty came. But we got to keep the momentum going. So what we're going to do, we're going to stay faithful. We're going to stay in the word. We're going to keep fellowshipping. We're going to keep praying. We're not going to stop. And then the Bible says the second point, signs and wonders happen. Momentum. Watch this. Create an atmosphere of signs and wonders. I don't know about you. But I want a ministry, a church with some signs and wonders that God healed the sick. He healed folks that are emotionally troubled, that, that God does supernatural stuff that we didn't even think about. Things that started happening. And, you know, that, 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 FM, that radio station, that was a supernatural blessing. Because, you know, one of the ways you know it, because when God do it, oftentimes it don't cost you much. Because he just bless you. Hallelujah. Glory. Somebody say glory. glory. He does. He does open door for you. Why God? Why? Because I just chose to bless you. Ah, Joe, I just I just want to bless you. And, and and you know, momentum, it creates this atmosphere of breakthroughs and everybody want to be. And that, that was one of the, one, the main things that drew people to Christ. People want to get saved because they saw the miracle. They said, oh, God, something. Oh, whoa, whoa. You got healed. Of what? You were, what? Take me to that church. See, we need to be, listen, we need to be so confident 
that if a brother or sister is standing at the grocery store, you're talking to them, look, look, watch this. They tell, they, they're telling you, well, look, I'm sick. And the doctor said, I got six months to live. Won't you just put your hands on them and say, no, the devil is alive. I'm going to pray over you right now. The God's going to heal you. So you got to have that kind of faith. I'm not going to just sit by and just, you know, I was listening to this one pastor the other day who was a pastor at City Church, uh, Judah Smith. I don't know if you know him. Uh, his, his father is dying of cancer. They gave him six months to live. He was preaching a couple weeks ago. And you wouldn't think that man had six months to live. He still believed. They're believing God. He's going to be healed. And I listened to that man preach, and I said, man, the people are laughing, having a good time. And I'm like, man, these people just fill the faith. They're just standing. They're standing on the word. They're believing. And there got to be an atmosphere that we don't just talk about signs and wonders, that we got to start doing them. Not just talk about, if I really believe God's going to do this, because the atmosphere is there, right? Because we're continuing, we're, we're fellowshipping, we're, we're breaking bread with each other. Things are happening, momentum is building, so this is that level. We got to keep the thing rolling. If God, listen, God cares about the things that people care about out there. You know, if your God really care about me, then can your God do anything about what I'm going through right now? Oh, yes, he can. And we need to be, and listen, stop trying to explain everything. I learned a long time ago, I don't explain nothing. I just walk according to the word. God, I'm willing to, I'm willing to be embarrassed for Jesus, whatever that means. Because I don't care. I don't care because it's not my job to try to figure it all out. My job is to do what he tells me to do. Uh, somebody say amen. Then watch this. They had all things, the third point, they had all things in common. And they shared their possessions. Oh, gosh. I'm coming to somebody's house. I'm going in your refrigerator. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, you know how sometimes we say sometimes, brother, we say, oh, just make yourself at home. You don't really mean that, do you? Don't ever say that to me. Because, <laughs> you know, that's just a cliche. We say make yourself at home. We don't really mean that because if I, if I made myself at home, you know, you couldn't handle that. <laughs> I'd be just all over the place in your room and stuff, you know. You, no, no, no. You, within reason. But it's something about they had all things to come. You know what they're really talking about there? They were unified. They were of one purpose and one mind. See, these folks, in order to keep momentum, there has to be a sense of unity. It can't be a fragmented where people are fragmented and everybody got their own thing. This church understood. No, wait a minute. They had everything in common. They were on the same page. You flip the page. You look at the book. They're all telling the same story. Nobody is deviating because we understand there's momentum building here, and, and we don't want to do anything to stop the momentum. How many know that disunity will stop the momentum? You want something to stop momentum in your life? You want, you want your marriage to struggle? What usually happens in marriage when they struggle? Disunity. In other words, we ain't one on this. You're right here, and I'm right. How in the world are we going to bring this thing together? It happens in relationships. It happens in corporations and businesses. It happens in churches, right? Churches are growing. Churches are blossoming. Things are happening. And then all of a sudden, division, disunity creeps in. And guess what happens? Fractured. And then the momentum ceases. It ceases. And all of a sudden, remember I said that we control a lot of times how things shape up. I said to you last week, I don't know if that... If that preacher in Atlanta, is he, if he's guilty or not, but I, I can tell you this one thing, that those kind of things can stop the momentum. All the momentum, and, and if you go to their website, they were doing a whole lot of stuff. A lot, of, I mean, things were happening, and somebody posted online the other day how somebody got saved, and I sit there and I cried. 
And he was overseeing that service. And I said, wow, that's powerful. But, you know, all that can cease if we don't understand what it is that God wants us to do and how to keep the momentum going and growing. And so one of the things that I'm very sensitive about is disunity. Because I know that it, put, it breaks on everything that God wants to do in your life. And so you need to figure out a way to walk in unity on your job. You need to walk in unity on your marriage. You need to walk in unity in church. You need to walk in, everywhere you go. You need, to, you need to be a team player. Say team player. I may not agree with everything. But you know what? As long as you ain't asking me to do nothing that, convicts, that, that goes against my values or what God says, then I'll go, I'll go ahead and go with it. Because you know why? Because I don't want to be one to stop the momentum of what God is doing. We got to finish. Um, and then I like what it says, the fourth point. It says, uh, now all who believe it, it talked about, look at verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the what? In the what? Say that with a little bit of confidence. In the what? And when were they, how, how often were they there? Wow, y'all reading y'all Bible. Wow. <laughs> They continue. They, in other words, look at the neighbor and say, they showed up. <laughs> See, one of the things that we're going to have momentum as a church, how I many know we got to show up? We got to be in the temple. We got to be in the house of God. Listen, when you show up on Sunday morning, you know what? You bless my soul. I'm happy to see every one of you when you show up. Even, even some of the ones that, that make life hard for me, I'm happy to see you. Show up. Hallelujah. <laughs> so they continue. They kept, in other words, they came to church. You know, there are some people that still get up on Sunday morning. And they say, well, how I feel today. Thank you. I want to go to church today or not. Is it raining? Oh, no. Is it too hot? Sun out? There was some, did I see some deers out there? I ain't going no deer going to get me. No, in fact, it might be a lion out there. Just in case, I'm going to stay home and be safe. And I want to chill right here. I don't understand how is the people still trying to contemplate, do I go to church? You say you are a believer, a Christian, you love Jesus, and you don't show up. You know, you are a blessing. To, every one of you have the capacity to bless each other. You got something that I can give you and vice versa. I learn from you. You encourage me. I may be going through something that if you are here, you can help me with. But we sometimes, we, we just think about, well, it's, just, it's not all about you. It's really not. It's all about, it's, it's, how many know this thing is much bigger than you and me? And that we are to be an encouragement to each other. I can't be who I need to be without you, and you can't be who you need to be without me. Not in the kingdom of God. God wants us to be connected together. How many of you want to be connected to a people that love each other? How many of you want to be connected to a people that, that they love hanging out together with each other? They love eating chicken, church of chicken. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I can't. That, Lord said I need to do a message on church of chicken. No, I'm just teasing. But, but you get the point. I mean, everybody want to be a part of, of an atmosphere that, that I feel like I'm connected to a people. So we need to show up. The Bible says also they went house to house. So we already talked about that. So like today, y'all going to be coming to Sister Hubbard's house. Now I expect some of y'all to be inviting me to your house. And when you come to my house, we invite each other to each other's houses. Go house to house. Why? Because we want to keep the momentum going. 
Now, when you come to my house, there are certain rules we have. Number one, you are a cowboy fan from the moment you walk in. That's just the way it is. We don't argue with that. You just submit to that. Hallelujah. Isn't <laughs> that right, Brother Calvin? <laughs> Kevin, all right. Then watch this. And then we only got a couple more than we finish. It says, they were breaking bread from house to house and with their food and with gladness of heart. They were happy to be together. They were happy. They mean, you know, it, it should not be a chore. Oh, here go brother so-and-so. Here goes sister so-and-so. Oh, Jesus. Oh. He, I got to hang out with you today. You know, <laughs> do I really, for the sake of Jesus, <laughs> I'll do the Christian thing. You know, they were glad to be hanging with each other because you know what? They, they, just, they just realized, you know what, this is, you know, this is what we're all about. Could I say, just like I said to my wife, I said to my wife all the time, I said, honey, we're going to have to be together because divorce ain't an option for us. So we may as well make the best of it. So it is, those of, you, those of us who are saved, you know, if you don't like me, you better get used to me because you're going to see me for eternity. I'm going to be looking right up in your face. I thought, I thought you weren't going to be, and I believe that God, everybody that you had a problem with on earth, that when they, all y'all get to heaven, God going to make sure that y'all live in this, y'all going to be in the same geographical location. Because <laughs> God, you know, God always put his finger on the thing that you won't give up or the thing you got a problem with. Remember the rich young ruler? He thought, I got it all together. And God said, okay, cool. Now take all your money you got and sell it. Come follow me. He said, I can't do that. <laughs> God always puts his finger on the thing that you want to try to Hold that look. God comes. He always does it to me. It's like, God, no, let me have something to myself. God, let me. No, he comes right. He, he finds a thing, but he finds it. Leave my golf alone. I tell God, leave my golf. That's all I got. Leave my golf alone. I'm sitting there hitting the golf ball. Y'all hear too much. You need to stop. The devil, I rebuke you. Y'all here. You need to stop. You're not spending time to worry like you. I rebuke you again. And I remember, you know, and because I, I, I knew that I was developing a love for golf so much so, man, that I was like, I was, I was just addicted to seeing that white ball fall in the middle of the fairway. And, of course, God wanted to go put his finger right on that very thing because God was saying, I don't want nothing to be ahead of me. Not one thing in your life. I got to be first. Momentum killer. If God is not number one in your life, that will kill the momentum of what he's trying to do in your life. And then he says they had favor with all the people. Favor. How many of you want favor? I mean, I don't know. I, I want favor. I just want people just to bless me. Why can't it happen? Why can't God? I mean, the, 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 the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. You know, I, was, I, look at this, I look at this stuff right here. I say, it's all belong to God. says, mine. God want to give it to me. You know, you really, you think you're the CEO of that? You know, God can change that real quick. So you need to walk in that kind of authority. And then lastly, the Bible says God added to the church. See, the momentum was building the whole time, and God added to the church. Because they were doing these simple things right here. God added. Because it's easier to add where there is momentum. Where there's no momentum, it's very, very difficult to add. Now, in closing, let me just say this. You know, we've been here now how many months? Three months? Uh, you can stop the tape now. Thank you. 